0: Today's Access Utah episode was first broadcast in 2019. Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. One beautiful September day, three men convene on Martha's Vineyard. Friends ever since meeting in college, circa the 60s, they couldn't have been more different then, or even today. Lincoln is a commercial real estate broker. Teddy, a tiny press publisher. Mickey, a musician beyond his rock and age. Each man holds his own secrets, in addition to the monumental mystery that none of them has ever stopped puzzling over since a Memorial Day weekend right here on the Vineyard, 1971, the disappearance of the woman each of them loved, J.C. Rockefeller. Now, more than 40 years later, as this new weekend unfolds, three lives are displayed in their entirety, while the distant past confounds the present like a relentless squall of surprise and discovery. That's the uh, plot in brief of the new novel from Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo. The new book is Chances Are. Richard Russo is author of eight novels, including Everybody's Fool and That Old Cape Magic, two collections of stories, the memoir Elsewhere. In 2002, he received the Pulitzer Prize for Empire Falls, which, like Nobody's Fool, was adapted to film in a multiple-award-winning HBO miniseries. Richard Russo, welcome to the program.
1: Well, it's great to be here, Tom.
0: So this one, um, it's uh, friendships. That's an ongoing theme, uh, class uh, divisions. Uh, this particular book uh, is a mystery as well. That's, that's somewhat new. Uh, did you know going in you wanted to write a mystery?
1: Um, no. No. Um, as a matter of fact, if I had if, if I had known I was going to be writing a thriller, <laughs> I might have I might have thought twice um, about it because you know the book is a little bit uh, outside my my normal wheelhouse. Um, although what I what I did kind of what I did kind of know uh, was that this book would have would be a little bit more tightly structured. Um, a lot of my books are fairly freewheeling. I, I I let my characters tell me what the book is about. Um, and they are generally kind enough to do that. Um, in this book, though, um, this is a book about secrets and um, and lies, and if you're if you if, that which means you're gonna which means you're gonna have have a, a bit more plot um, than normal. And so as I as I began to discover um, exactly what these characters um, what what their secret lives. Were all about. Um, it became it became necessary to figure out how uh, information was going to be dispensed by the reader because if you tell everybody up front um, what, what the secrets are, that doesn't work very well. So very soon, I found myself plotting uh, in a way that would reveal. Um, Certain things uh, would reveal information, dole it out in, in, small, uh, in small doses. That's what I love. What I love most about thrillers, although, although I do usually don't write those. Both movies, if we're talking about movies, or, or, or uh, television, or in book form, um, I really kind of like the slow burn. If you know what I mean, you know, where, mm-hmm. where in, instead of instead of um, beginning the book um, on a on a roller coaster ride. Um, you begin with uh, the doling out of information, and certain things don't quite add up, and the reader begins to get a little bit nervous. And then other things don't kind of add up, and they get more nervous. And, sudden, and, and, and suddenly, um, you know, everything everything about the book you think you think certain things are at stake, and then you realize that 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 um, that actually there's more at stake. Than you imagined until until finally you find yourself in kind of a in kind of a gripping and and relentless situation. That's what and that's what I like about good thrillers and movies and TV, and that's what I also what I like about them in um, in fiction.
0: So you're writing about uh, three friends here, really four, because JC, uh, you know, is yeah. uh, appears through the, the the memories, the feelings that the, all three have for her. Um, so these are friends, these are old friends. Um, I don't know, the stakes higher there with old friends?
1: Well, I think so. Um, especially when their friendships are defined, um, the way they are in, in this book. These are, these are, I mean, there's a lot about chance in this book and chances, the tense, the title, chances are. Um, but there are a lot of moving parts, um, to this particular friendship, um, and, and you know, you you mentioned class before, and all my works have a component of, of class uh, in them. And in this case, um, part of the basis for this for this friendship uh, is class oriented, in that that um, they they all um, they all go to this same uh, shishi um, uh, very expensive. Uh, liberal arts college on the coast of connecticut and of course what all three of these young men at the time what all three of them have in common is that in terms of class none of the three really belong there Um, none of them have anything like a safety net uh... they don't come from wealth and they're being introduced to to a world um... that is entirely uh... entirely new to them and so they become uh, they become friends. They think of themselves as the three musketeers, um, all for one and one for all. Um, and, and that's partly uh, as a result of, of, the, of the fact that um, all the other, or most of the other students are, who are in that college have parents who can afford the staggering tuition um, and who come from money and who have certain expectations about what money can and cannot buy, um, none of which Lincoln and, and, uh, and Teddy and... Mickey have any experience of? So there are those. So there are those class issues that that bind them together uh, when they are when they are young men. And since you know, all three have had um, really interesting lives. Those lives have not ended in riches. And so when they when they come together again um, at, uh, at at sixty six. They find that some of those bonds have been tested, but they're but they're still powerful and strong, um, in in kind of the way that they are. I mean, I grew up uh, in 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 the same situation as all of these young men. Um, I didn't have any, certainly didn't have any family safety net, Um, and um, as a result of the various blessings that I've had as a as a published author and a and a prize winner. My life has, has gotten um, easier now than it certainly was when I was when I was growing up. But um, if you've spent um, a considerable portion of your life without money, you never kind of lose that orientation. <laughs> if you, does that make any sense, that mm-hmm. even if you even even when your life has gotten easier and you have a little bit more money in the bank, um, and life. Life has taught you that, that, it, that in addition to going badly at times, it can also go very well, and you can be very fortunate, and you can be very blessed. Um, those, um, those early experiences of, of, of not having, uh, uh, not coming from wealth, uh, not being able to, um, to depend upon other people if you make bad decisions, that, that sense of the world never entirely goes away, or at least it certain ha- certainly hasn't for me.
0: Mm-hmm. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about, you know, it's just thumbnail sketch of each of these three. Uh, maybe we'll start with Lincoln Lincoln Moser. He's the person who owns that house that they're uh, gathering uh, at. He, he's the person who organized this get-together.
1: Yeah, Lincoln Lincoln comes from a part of... All three of these characters actually come from a part of, a part of my own... Um, Personality, things that I've thought about, uh, uh, choices that I've made at various times in my life. Lincoln is of the of the three friends. He is the most conservative, and when I say conservative, I mean both both politically and kind of emotionally. Um, uh, politically, he is he is the uh, the lifelong Republican uh, of the party of the of the of the, uh, uh, of the three. Um, He lives out west. Uh, He is the son of uh, a man who was part owner in a mostly played-out copper mine in in Arizona. But his mother, who is a very, very quiet, circumspect, obedient woman in her marriage, has inherited um, this, this cottage on Martha's Vineyard, and it's the one thing that she has. She refuses to turn over to her husband. Uh, she bequeaths this this property, which has increased in value over the years, um, uh, almost exponentially, as the as, as the as the island has become more famous. And and she, she uh, and Lincoln um, uh, and Lincoln has inherited this uh this property and the book kind of begins with him arriving there unfortunately as a result of the economic downturn the great recession uh going there thinking that he's going to have to sell this property so that's that's lincoln um teddy is teddy is the son of of high school english teachers um, and mm-hmm. <laughs> as he uh, as he puts it their lives were full of kids before he ever came along <laughs> and and um they can barely find time for him uh when uh, you know um, amongst their classes and their students and their paper grading and and teddy Teddy grows up um, um you know you know he he's kind of one kid too many <laughs> uh and so and so he is and 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 like Teddy, even as he as 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 I was at his age, I was profoundly interested very early. Uh, in girls before I before I had you know the, the necessary courage to even talk to them, uh, much less much less ask for a date. Um, that was me, and, and, and that's that's Teddy in his in his inner life. He's he's very interested, but also like me, he has at at that age. I had a I suppose a, a religious or spiritual side. I was an altar boy, uh, right up straight straight up through high school. And so even as I was flirting with the idea of, of being a ladies' man, I was also flirting with the idea of, of, of being, uh, um, you know, if not a, if not a priest, having, having some sort of uh, large spiritual component in my life. Uh, and that's, that's kind of Teddy's origins. Um, Mickey uh, is in some ways the simplest kind of psychologically of, of these three characters. Um, because he really has only one desire in life, uh, and that is to play rock and roll. Um, uh, I just turned 70. Um, um, But even at that age, if the right song comes on the radio, I have but one desire, and that's to strap on an electric guitar, plug it into an amp, uh, and play uh, and play rock and roll music. And I, I did that as a young man, uh, played in a band, and when I was in college, uh, I put myself in part through graduate school, um, playing and uh, uh, playing twelve string guitar in, in bars. So Mickey, Mickey draws on that other aspect of uh, of my younger life.
0: Mickey is in some ways the least changed, right? He's still rocking out at that, that, that age.
1: Yeah, 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 and and music, of course, plays a very, very large part um, in this book, um, and it's it's largely it's largely through through Mickey, whose sense of identity, uh, much more than Lincoln's or Teddy's, is is really located in in music, and so a song like "Chances Are," which which gives the title to this book, the Johnny Mathis uh, song. Um, is, of course, much made fun of and much derided, as is Teddy's and, and, uh, and, and Lincoln's musical taste. But in the, in the song, Chances Are, there's, there's one magical night when these three friends are together back in 1971 when um, even Mickey has to appreciate the schmaltzy lyrics of Chances Are, because what all three of these young men and the girl that they are all three profoundly uh, over their heads in love with, they, they, despite the times, the Vietnam War is raging, Mickey has a very low um, draft number, and it looks like he will be heading off to Southeast Asia within probably months. Um, but there's this one night that all three of these young men and this beautiful, wild child young woman um um come together uh and 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 in and in the dark night on this deck of this house in house in Martha's vineyard sing the lyrics to chances are because all four of them want so desperately to believe that their chances are awfully awfully good as the song says mm. um and throughout um but the, so that song kind of haunts the novel um as does as does my beloved Grace Slick <laughs> who's <laughs> Who, uh, who signals the theme of the novel um, uh, in her in her lyric from the famous Jefferson Airplane song, "Somebody to Love." When the truth is found to be lies and all the joy within you dies. So, so Mickey, we get a lot of we get an awful lot of mileage out of uh, out of the music of the of the late '60s and early '70s <laughs> in this book, and and Mickey, of course, gets to deride uh, so much of contemporary music, which was also fun.
0: Yeah, he he uh, he thumbs through uh, Lincoln's playlist, right, and makes fun of all the songs. Uh, that's one.
1: Yeah, 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 And he later, yeah, he makes he makes he makes fun of, um, uh, of 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 the various Pandora playlists that that Lincoln has on his phone. And later on, he Teddy's Teddy's um, uh, Teddy's uh, musical interests right now are much more are much more contemporary. Um, and Lincoln offers to cure his Mumford and Sons disorder, as he calls it, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> at one point in the novel. That's right. So yeah, you get to play with the with the old stuff and, and the new stuff as well.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Jace—they're all three in love with J.C. back in the day. Um, yeah, she still has a big impact in their lives, even though after that original uh, week on the, uh, you know, on uh, Martha's Vineyard, she she disappeared. But she's still very much, in a way, part of this. Of this weekend uh, all those years later uh, tell us a little bit about uh, jc
1: yeah it's 40 it's 45 years it's 45 years later or thereabouts 44 years later and this young woman still haunts them um in a way that it's it's it probably would be much more difficult for her to do had she not disappeared <laughs> you mm-hmm. know uh, uh, it, her disappearance is is part of the reason that they continue to think about her um uh, um, so, so hauntingly for for so for so very long, and of course, um, you know these guys are now sixty six years old, um, the age I was when I started writing this book. Um, but these are now, um, um, you know, it's it's wrong really to call them middle aged men anymore. These are these are on the these guys are on the cusp of old age, and they. And they suffer from lower back pain and they have to get up several times in the middle of the night to pee and and all of that. But J.C., of course, remains as young as she was when they saw her last, as young, as beautiful, as free, as vibrant, uh, as full of life. She hasn't aged. Uh, And so they can still not only be still be kind of in love with her all this all this time later, but um, but. But she remains perfect um, by virtue of her disappearance. And so, I mean, and it's also complicated by the fact that, of course, back in the day when they were all so thrillingly in love with her, they were not only in love with her, but they were in love with two other things, the first of which being the spirit of the times. This was, this was not just a beautiful girl. This was a beautiful, free girl uh, uh, who was this kind of the spirit of the early Seventies, the Woodstock generation. shes uh, I don't describe her um, an awful lot physically, beyond the fact that she has curly dark hair and olive skin. Uh, but, you know, like so many girls at the time, she goes around braless, and, and, uh, and she's kind of free-spirited uh, and, and, and is kind of an emblem of what freedom meant to, to young people, um, 20-somethings back in nineteen seventy one so so um, so she hasn't aged she's still she's still an emblem of freedom even at, even at a time when all three of these uh young men now old men have learned something uh about freedom and how difficult it is to hold on to as you age. Um, and she also, um, the second thing that's important about, about J.C. is that not only have they fallen in love with her and what she represents in terms of freedom, but, um, but also she's from Greenwich, Connecticut. Um, she's the girl who belongs at this college, whose parents can afford the staggering tuition, whereas these young men are all scholarship kids who have to sling hash in a sorority house to make things, to make ends meet. J.C., um, JC comes from wealth. She comes from privilege, and these young guys are getting their first glimpse at a world that they know nothing about. So they fall in love with her, but they also fall in love with privilege, with wealth of of, of an easier, less uh, less stressful life where where doors um, seem magically uh, to open and. Uh, so they're so they're in they're in love with her, but they're in love with Greenwich, Connecticut, and they're in love with this Minerva College that I invented, um, and all the and all the freedom and and uh, and and privilege that those things embody.
0: You just joined us. We are talking with the Pulitzer Prize winning uh, novelist Richard Russo. Uh, the new book is Chances Are, um, and it's a, a novel uh, set back in the seventies and. Um, closer to today as uh, three, uh, three young men then, now older, uh, gather for, uh, another weekend at Martha's Vineyard. Let's take a break.